This podcast was produced and recorded in the studios of Cairns FM 89.1. This is the evolution of intimacy with Ella Shannon. A show about sex, relationships and everything in between. You can start to feel bliss while you're vacuuming. I don't know if I've tried that or not. Do I want to try it? What is it? Very complex, very interesting. Flogging, whipping, caning. So there I was in my high heels and my little dress. So it is purely a stigma. Healthy sexual expression with other humans. I went to the local women's health centre and went, I think I'm a lesbian, is there a support group? They don't know quite how to talk about it. It's actually a core skill in relationships. That has always worked for me. My guest today is Kirsty Nancaro. Kirsty has been in the media industry for more than 25 years and I had the pleasure of connecting with her around a year ago when I organised some media training for the Queensland Sexual Assault Network. Kirsty's CANS-based media business is called Emotion, but today Kirsty has been kind enough to share her personal story regarding her challenge with endometriosis. I'm so grateful for Kirsty's generosity in sharing this. So many women suffer from endometriosis, or endo as it's called, and I really feel that hearing stories from other women that have been through similar things can be of enormous benefit. Let's hear the interview. I'm really curious about your experience and your journey with endometriosis. I know it's something that many women suffer from. When did it first become apparent for you? Thanks, Ella. For me, it was around about 13 years ago that I started feeling like my periods were getting heavier and getting more painful and I just kind of accepted that as, oh well, I'm getting a bit older, my body's starting to change, this must be normal and certainly have heard other women talk about that in their bodies so I just put up with it. It wasn't really until... I went and had some pre-testing. I hadn't been able to conceive and my husband and I, you know, we had been trying for several years to have a baby and we thought we would maybe just explore IVF. So we went and had testing to see what our chances were going to be with that. And it was during the testing that they actually picked up that I had a nine centimeter piece of endometriosis in my uterus. So. Um, I think that was uh, around about maybe eight years ago now, nine years ago now. So uh, that was the first that I actually heard that I had endometriosis. But obviously I've had symptoms for about four years by then. Yeah, gosh, that's a nine centimetres isn't a small piece. And so how is it diagnosed? Were they able to see it through some sort of scan? Yes, yeah, so, uh, my memory of the scan it, uh, wasn't. It was very uh, painful at mm. the time. I, I had a. I think I actually had a, a balloon inserted and blown up and some dye. Um, so the the test itself was quite uh, painful, and uh, and that's the test in which it was diagnosed. So. Oh gosh, um, that sounds like it was an ordeal. I, yeah. If I hadn't had that that uh, pre IVF testing. Who knows how long it would have been before it was actually diagnosed. 
then what happens? Is there treatments that they suggest, uh, things that you can do? Is it, are they able to um, do surgery and remove the, that tissue? Look, at the time, um, it was something that I got the impression that I should just put up with. Mm. And I was told it wouldn't preclude me from having children. So I didn't need to have any surgery. Uh, it wasn't a barrier to having a child. Uh, having said that, I was never never able to successfully conceive and my husband and I decided uh, be- between us that uh, we wouldn't go down the IVF path. We already had, uh, I had a beautiful stepson and who I'd helped raise from very young. So I was very happy with um, my motherhood experience and I'd, I'd had a stepson in an earlier relationship as well. So I felt, uh, we felt together that that um, we wouldn't pursue trying to have a child through IDF. We kind of the process ended there and I just went back to having painful periods and, mm. um, and gradually getting heavier and heavier. It wasn't until a few years later that I was actually diagnosed with adenomyosis and that was given as the reason why uh, things had become so much more painful and, and so much heavier. And can you explain what that is? Endometriosis can be uh, inside the uterus and indeed, as I found out earlier this year, outside the uterus in different parts of the body. Mm. Uh, The adenomyosis actually is within the lining of the uterus, so it's Mm. in the muscular wall. It's like basically walking around with a bruise almost constantly. Oh, goodness. Certainly when you're you're having a cycle, it it feels like you're you're being kicked from the inside. Oh, how awful. Yeah. And is the symptoms, like you suggested, mostly when the period when you're bleeding or is it all throughout the month? Well, it's just when you're you're bleeding and Mm. leading up to when you're bleeding, but the periods uh, in between got shorter and shorter. So I think... Um, my last cycle before I had my hysterectomy was about I think I'd had I think I'd been bleeding for more than 20 days by then so I was only getting a, a few days off a month without pain you are listening to the evolution of intimacy with me Alice Shannon a show about sex relationships and everything in between most of us have not been encouraged or taught how to talk about sex. They are curious. Hang on a sec. I'm a woman. Like, I have needs now. Whole new level of sensation and pleasure. I looked at my yoni before and after and I was like, oh my God. You may experience a range of emotions. What we associate as being related to one gender or another, it changes all the time. Pleasure is our birthright. You're on these massive doses of steroids. I look like Bert Newton. I wouldn't have been attracted to myself. <laughs> so they were just so happy to know that A, they weren't alone, and B, that this was like a legitimate thing. And that actually sounds really lovely and erotic, really pleasurable. It's a secret. Mind blowing. And so what did they suggest to help you with this? So I initially had a Myrena, which people commonly use for contraception, but also to manage the heavy bleeding as they, as mm-hmm. they get older. That kind of worked for a while with, with uh, the pain levels. 
that had its own associated problems. I've, I've spoken to many women who have had a marina and it's worked extremely well for them. Um, they've never had a period again. They're extremely happy. For me, I never stopped having a period, but it was much more uh, bearable. Yep. But unfortunately for me, had the side effect of promoting infection. So mm. I swapped one problem for another and, and really was no better off because I might, have, I might not have the pain and the heavy bleeding, but I also had um, constant infection. So I eventually made the decision to have that out. And at that point, the alternatives were to A, see how I went, B, have what's called an ablation where they actually burn the lining of your uterus, uh, which doesn't get rid of adenomyosis because it's in the lining of the uterus, but it does deal with endometriosis, but it can grow back Mm. uh, if you still have your fallopian tube. So I thought I would try that next. And uh, it's a less invasive procedure. It's the actual procedure only takes five minutes, but you are under general anaesthetic. So it was a day off work and um, in, immediately able to, to get up and about. They did that procedure and I hoped for the best. And the, the paperwork I was given said in 95% of the cases, women don't need to go on and have a hysterectomy following that procedure. So I was feeling pretty good about it. Mm, pretty good um, odds, yeah. <laughs> but of course, I was in that 5% mm. that didn't. Um, get a lot of benefit from it. Oh, how disappointing after years of suffering with this. Yeah. Once again, the the bleeding and the pain started getting worse and worse. And I remember going to the hospital and they wanted to put the myrena back in again and it didn't, it didn't go because of the procedure that I've had already. And they said at that point, well, your only alternative is to have a hysterectomy. Oh, wow. So been having that conversation with myself for a while anyway that that um, I was comfortable with making that decision I'm at a time in my life in my mid-40s where I've pretty much been at peace with not being able to have any children of my own Uh, even though uh, that was difficult I had dealt with it so I I thought I'm ready to get rid of this very troublesome uterus Mm. wow And there's different types of hysterectomies, so I understand it depends on how much is removed and for different reasons. What happened for you? So uh, I was told that um, my uterus was quite enlarged, Mm. but that I should still be able to have a laparoscopic hysterectomy, which is keyhole surgery. They do amazing things with keyhole surgery these days. So I was told I'd have a couple of incisions either side of my belly button, in my belly button, and possibly one below my belly button. And then the uterus would be pulled out of my vagina, which obviously um, is used to having much bigger things come out of it, like babies. And and that was the procedure that was planned. Unfortunately, when I got into the surgery, uh, they tried for an hour and a half, and they actually discovered that I had endometriosis in various other parts of my Mm. body, not just inside my uterus. So it was actually attaching my bowel to my uterus and my bladder to my uterus. So it became a much more involved procedure. I went in there thinking I'd be out in a certain period of time and I remember being in recovery and waking up and looking at the clock and it was 5 p.m. and I was like, oh, what happened? Something Mm. went wrong. Something didn't go to plan. And, um, and they told me that 
they had had to convert to open surgery after an hour and a half because mm. it was just too dangerous to try and uh, detach the uterus uh, and the fallopian tubes without damaging uh, the other organs. Mm. So uh, I was initially a bit shocked about that and had a bit of grief. But then when the surgeons came to talk to me about it the next day and explained why, I was just very grateful that they hadn't damaged my bladder or my bowel in the procedure. Oh, absolutely. You are listening to The Evolution of Intimacy with me, Alice Shannon, a show about sex, relationships and everything in between. Most of us have not been encouraged or taught how to talk about sex. They are curious. Hang on a sec. I'm a woman. Like, I have needs now. Whole new level of sensation and pleasure. I looked at my yoni before and after and mm. I was like, oh my God. You may experience a range of emotions. What we associate as being related to one gender or another, it changes all the time. Pleasure is our birthright. You're on these massive doses of steroids. I look like Bert Newton. I wouldn't have been attracted to myself. <laughs> so they were just so happy to know that A, they weren't alone, and B, that this was like a legitimate thing. And that actually sounds really lovely and erotic, really pleasurable. It's a secret. Mind blowing. What a massive decision to make for yourself. It sounds really scary for a lot of reasons. And I know you said you, you know, got to that level of comfortability with it. But what sort of stuff was going on for you to kind of get to that place of peace with that decision? Uh, look, I have a wonderful relationship with my husband and my stepsons, and I have felt very enriched by being able to help be a positive influence in their life and experience a lot of the most of the things that that mothers who are bearing children naturally get to experience so I felt pretty lucky at that point that I'd had that opportunity and that I didn't necessarily need to or wasn't missing out so much by having uh, my own child from my Mm -hmm. own body it it still would have been something that I would like to have shared with my husband but I, I felt that at this point we had tried and tried and tried and the actual pain I was in and the, the bleeding was being far more disruptive to our life than it was worth it. So faced with the prospect of not being able to have children, definitely, or having a, a pain-free life where I could actually get my body back, I, I decided on option two. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it sounds like a no-brainer when you put it like that for sure. And I'm aware that after a hysterectomy, depending on how much was removed, if the ovaries are removed, that you can go into early menopause. Was that something that the doctors had talked to you about or that you experienced? Yes, I was lucky in that my ovaries were healthy and Mm. they were able to stay. So I have not had to go on hormone replacement or go into early menopause. I should go into menopause when my body had originally intended it, whenever that might be. It might be in the next few years. It might be longer than that. So they they were able to take the cervix um, and the fallopian tubes. So 
I was told with the fallopian tubes removed that my body shouldn't be producing any more endometriosis. So mm. I still have some deposits in my body, but they are not um, causing me any problems, any pain. So Great. what has been removed are the the uh, the endometriosis, obviously that was inside the uterus, and the adenomyosis, which is in the lining of the uterus. And they they said it was actually you know quite bulky mm. in in the end, and I. Uh, this this might um, freak some people out, but when in my follow up appointment, I actually said to the, the doctor, "Do you have Do you have any photos?" <laughs> I was <laughs> quite intrigued. I was quite fascinated mm-hmm. by actually being able to look inside my body and and have a you know inspect what was going on and and what what, what they were removing. So mm-hmm. I did get to see. Uh, some photos from the procedure afterwards. Wow, you're brave. <laughs> and, <laughs> and how do you feel now? I feel fantastic, Ella. I just feel like I have my life back. Mm. It's amazing. I literally got used to having tampons in every little, every bag, every stashed everywhere in the car. My husband was carrying them around for me. We had them just pretty much everywhere because... It got to the point where I didn't know when I was going to need them. Mm. Um, I remember, I think I mentally made the decision about having a hysterectomy when I was practicing for a dance performance and I found myself actually having to run off every 20 minutes Mm. and, you know, replace the tampon and, and by the time I got home, I was actually really concerned about the amount that I was bleeding and my husband was out at the time and I called him and I said, I don't, I think I might need to go to the hospital. And I did. I ended up going to emergency and I thought, I can't, I can't keep going yeah. like this. Just it's, way it's too disruptive much. to everything. It sounds <laughs> awful. So in retrospect, the operation was worth it? I don't have to think about um, being caught out or being mm. in pain. Um, you know, being able to feel good about my body again, that's been a huge thing. Um, I didn't really feel like a woman for the longest time because uh, I was angry Mm. with my body. It was letting me down all the time. I was either, it was either causing me pain or inconvenience or both. And it hadn't given me the thing that I wanted it to, which was a baby. So basically by the end I was, I was, happy to be rid of my troublesome uterus I bet yeah and while there's nothing wrong with period sex if you're in pain and bleeding I'm sure that would have um, put a dampener on your sex life and you don't have to go into this too much but has that been enabled to come back now after your surgery absolutely you know and, and I and I have the most beautiful patient husband and I never felt under pressure or like I was letting him down or anything like that but I am so grateful that we've now been able to resume a normal life and normal intimacy because you're right you know even though periods aren't a barrier if they're running almost a month oh, you, yeah. you know get a few days off and you're feeling like crap because you're blown up like a balloon or you know worried about heavy bleeding or in pain you're not really feeling sexy not at all <laughs> yeah oh he sounds like a good man and I'm so happy for you that you've yeah got your body back and you're able to enjoy life again in a full, more full way yes it's it's good and the more people I talk to about this the more I discover that women are just putting up with the pain mm. and I did for 13 years and I'm really glad that I don't have that anymore so I think if women are 
uh, concerned about changes that they've experienced and they're feeling like they're in more, more pain than they, they were before or they're bleeding a lot more, uh, then please go and get it checked out, you know, get a referral from your GP and go and see a gynaecologist and do that privately or you can do it through the hospital so you don't have to suffer and just accept this change in your body. You can go and have it investigated and mm. see what the options are for you and they might be less invasive than, than what I went through and I did go through the less invasive options first but ticked them all off and ultimately arrived at the hysterectomy. Mm. For people that do have that diagnosis of endometriosis, you said that there's, is it called Endometriosis Australia as a support organisation? Yeah. yeah, I'm really pleased to see that more people have been talking about this in the last few years and I think it's a lot more widespread than people realise. So there is an organisation called Endometriosis Australia and they put out a newsletter and they have resources and they have people sharing their stories and they have a Facebook page. Yeah, I would encourage people to go and check them out. The website is www.endometriosisaustralia.org. Use the tools that are there to support you. Reach out to people in your community, in your in your circle of friends. Maybe there's someone who's been through this. It's not the sort of thing you talk about over the dinner table, but we should definitely talk about it. We should. So thank you so much for coming live on the radio to chat about these things. It's really important stuff. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure, Ella. You've been listening to The Evolution of Intimacy with Ella Shannon. We're feeling juicy the whole day. Every desire I could possibly think of. What sort of impact would it have? They want it, they're going to go and get it. They don't think of long-term consequences. Oh, did that feel really nice? Oh, yes, that felt really delicious. Being able to feel good about my body again, that's been a huge thing. All anybody really wants in this world is to feel seen and heard. We actually do have a lot that connects us physically. It's making people feel good. There is a real sense of hopefulness that returns in the relationship a really beautiful thing. Take that beauty and that calmness and that bliss and that sense of peace out into the world. Thank you for listening and I hope we've inspired you with our juicy conversations on this episode of The Evolution of Intimacy. If you would like to go deeper, you can book a session of relationship counselling, sex therapy or individual counselling via my website. I work in person in Cairns, tropical far north Queensland, or I can meet you online anywhere in the world. Or you might prefer to go at your own pace with my 12-lesson relationship and intimacy online course. To book or to listen to previous episodes, visit my website, ellashannon.com or follow me on the socials at Evolution of Intimacy. Finally, please go to iTunes and write me a quick review if you're feeling kind. Thank you, lovelies, and see you next time. This podcast was produced and recorded in the studios of Cairns FM 89.1.